You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> What's going on? Another game has passed. Another loss for the New York Football Giants. Third consecutive defeat. Uh, lost 27-21 at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals to drop the two and five on the year on Sunday. We'll get into that. Preview the Lions game. Uh, Giants at the Lions uh, this coming Sunday. We'll preview that. Welcome, episode six, I believe, of the Wide Right Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Honey uh, of Elite Sports New York, the Elite Sports Radio Network. Um, so we're going to get into the um, this past Sunday's loss, the third Giants loss in a row um, against the Cardinals. We actually have no news to talk about on this episode. Uh, weird, I don't know. There's no, no injury updates, um, no Sterling Shepard injury update. Uh, Nothing to get into really um, about that, uh, but I definitely want to talk about. So I want to recap the Cardinals game, preview the Lions game, and then I actually want to discuss. Uh, so the trade do- trade deadline is coming up uh, October 29th, so a week from. So I'm recording this Tuesday, October 22nd, so it's a week from Tuesday of this week. Um, so we'll get into a little bit about that. Uh, but for right now to start, so 27-21 loss to the Cardinals. Uh, the Giants have dropped a 2-5 and five on the year. Uh, they're third in the NFC East now, as they were before. The Redskins are still last at 1-6. and six. So at least, we're, at least we have the Redskins um, who are doing worse than the Giants. So to keep the Giants from being at the bottom of the NFC East, but they, to be honest, they might as well be at the bottom. A um, couple stats in this game: uh, secondary, the Giants' secondary played better. Uh, they only allowed eighty-nine, pa- only uh, eighty-nine passing yards. They are allowing two hundred eighty-five passing yards per game, which is horrific. Um, through the first six matchups of the year, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's obviously a future Hall of Famer, one catch, twelve yards. However, it was the defense against the run. That was horrid this week. Chase Edmonds, a second-year man out of Fordham, not exactly a college football playoff team. I think they're – they might be Division One, like FCS, not FBS. I think they're FCS. Um, he rushed for 126 yards on 27 carries, 4.7 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. So for the maybe three people that had him in fantasy in the entire country, uh, props to you. You had a lot of points out of him. But that is 
in horrific stat against the Giants. Um, props to Chase Edmonds, uh, looking good, had a great game, but the Giants' run defense just did not look prepared. They looked a step behind the Cardinals' uh, offensive line and Chase Edmonds as well. Um, so it's becoming one of those things. If it's not the the secondary, who's going to struggle? It's going to be the front seven. It's you know, it, it's it's like we're flip flopping. So uh, we did. This team has to find a game where every, all 11 men on the defensive side of the ball are going to have to step up. Uh, the, the secondary stepped up this past game, but the front seven did not. Um, so that is something they're going to have to figure out. They're all going to have to come together at some point. I mean, it hasn't been that, that, that hasn't been the case yet. They played well against New England, that's for sure. But Tom Brady still had over 300 passing yards. Did Pat still score 21 points on them? You know, it's that at some point this defense is going to have to come together. Uh, and I guess it starts with the Lions this coming week. Who knows? Who really knows? Will they ever come together? Will they just sort of not bag it this year? But will they just sort of never show up, all 11 of them? Will it never be a time where the secondary comes together, shuts down the passing game and the run. The run defense does their job and the pass rush is disruptive and effective. Will that ever happen? Or is this just going to be the same story every single freaking week until James Betcher gets fired? Who knows? Only the future knows at this point. Only the, only the future can tell at this point. So, I mean, we can't tell the future. We don't know what it holds. Uh, God only knows at this point what will happen with this defense. But, you know, this game is over, so we just got to look on to the next one. Um, the Giants did actually outgain them, outgain the Cardinals, 263 to 245. Only 156 passing yards they allowed. Uh, oh, only 156 passing yards the Giants had, and they only had 107 rushing yards as well. Um Daniel Jones, 22 for 35, 223 yards, a touchdown, an interception, two lost fumbles. He now has 11 turnovers on the year, seven picks and four fumbles. Um, if you count just his starts, seven picks, three lost fumbles. He had that one fumble when he came in at the end of the game against Dallas in week one. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Those are his turnover woes. It's not and not everything in his fault. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley, 18 for 72, four yards per carry and a touchdown in his first game back from injury, missed the previous three games with a high ankle sprain. Um, and Golden Tate looks like he could be, Golden Tate looks like a reliable, productive option. That's what the Giants signed him for. That's why they gave him 37 and a half million over four years. He is a productive option in the passing game with Shepard out the last two weeks. He's become a reliable target. This game, six catches for 80 yards. Um, so uh, he he's doing what he can. He seems like he could be. De- he definitely can be an option in the passing game going forward, um, which is exactly what the Giants signed him for. So kudos for actually getting a great deal on a contract, Dave Gettleman. Congratulations. Um, but I want to talk about mainly with this game is we cannot blame 
Daniel Jones just yet. We can't point the finger at Daniel Jones just yet because you have to consider all of the aspects of support around him. He has a bad offensive line. I don't want to hear that this offensive line has improved. No, it hasn't. It's gotten worse. I don't want to hear of these names on the offensive line. Oh, we have Solder. We have, you know, Will Hernandez is, has potential. We have Jalapio. We have Kevin Zeit. I don't care. You could have five great offensive linemen. Doesn't mean the chemistry is going to be there. Doesn't mean it's going to be, it's going to work. The Giants have good offensive line, good big names on the offensive line. It still doesn't work. They allowed eight sacks against the Cardinals. Eight. If they allowed eight sacks every week, I don't even want to know how many that is in a whole season. Mostly because I can't do the math off the top of my head, eight times 16, but also because I really just don't want to know because it would scare me to death. Eight sacks is horrific. And they only seem like they're an ounce better than last year because this offensive line actually now has a quarterback who could be mobile and can get outside the pocket and can bail them out when they need to. This offensive line is getting bailed out more than they've had in the past. I mean, they had eight sacks. They allowed eight sacks on Sunday. It would have been, you know, nine or ten with Eli. This offensive line just looks like they could be better because they actually have a mobile-esque quarterback they're blocking for now. So they get bailed out more than they've had in the past. It's still very much not a good offensive line. And it's not just Sunday. It's been the entire season thus far. They're allowing 3.6 sacks per game. Last year it was 2.94. So... I know there's new faces on the line. Spencer Pulley isn't starting anymore. Uh, Javon Brown is gone. Chad Wheeler, who was a disgrace, is he's not starting anymore. He's gone on an injury settlement, I believe. Mike Rummers is in his spot at the right tackle position. It's not. It's different faces. But it hasn't improved. It's actually gotten worse. When you look at the numbers, it has gotten worse. And what are they going to do going forward with this offensive line? At this point, I don't know. I don't even know who you could bench. I don't, there's, it's not even just one specific person. It's not, like just, it's not like last year this offensive line was horrible and it was, oh, because we have Eric Flowers playing tackle. Let's bench him. It, it, that's not even the case this year. You don't even have one specific person that's bad. It's just the entire offensive line as a whole has been horrific. I'm tired of hearing how it's improved or how it's going to improve. It's not improved. It's getting worse. For some reason, this offensive line is getting worse. And for some weird reason, I feel like this is going to be a line with Another couple of recycled names. Think of all the names of offensive linemen that have come and gone through this Giants organization in, the, in just the past three or four years. 
Remember Marshall Newhouse? Remember Bobby Hart? Chad Wheeler, Eric Flowers? I mean, these are names that scare the hell out of me. These are names that give me the creeps because of how inconsistent they were and how they how they were associated with just horrible offensive lines. This offensive line isn't good at all, and I don't. I'm, I'm not confident in them at all. You know, we gave up. The uh, Giants paid a lot of money to get Nate Solder. Giants traded Olivier Vernon, who I had my issues with because he wasn't that good, for Kevin Zeitler. You know, Mike Remmers was a cheap signing. Jalapio is a cheap, uh, cheap re-sign. But they gave, the Giants gave up a lot of money to put this offensive line together. And they gave up a Pro Bowl edge rusher from last year to get this offensive line together. And it hasn't, it hasn't been good. It's screwing Daniel Jones and is halt, halting his success. It's keeping him from progressing as an NFL quarterback right now. And that's not the only thing that's halting Daniel Jones' progression. It's not just the offensive line. Think of the coaching and the play calling. What in the world was that third and 18 draw play on Sunday in the fourth quarter when they were down by three? They ran a draw play on third and 18 in their own territory when they were going to go for it on fourth down anyway. Why not throw the ball? Why not try to get an extra five, six yards than you would from running a draw play so it makes the fourth down play, which is coming up right after that, much more manageable? I would much rather have a fourth and nine than, say, a fourth and 15. Fourth and nine, you have some options as far as the passing game is concerned. You're not going to run it, obviously, but as far as the passing game is concerned, you have some options. Fourth and 15 marginalizes those options that much more. It shrinks the amount of play calls you could choose from in that certain certain situation. That was a bad call. Um, another aspect of coaching has been personnel usage. I've said it before. Um, you know, the times they gave it when John Hillman was on the active roster, the times they gave it to him were, some of the times they gave him they gave the ball to John Hillman were head scratchers. I mean, they gave it to him on the goal line against Washington out of the weapons you have, such as Evan Engram and Sterling Shepard. And, you know, even Darius Slayton is an option to have. Why give it to John Hillman? That's for sure. I mean, it's just, I don't get it in that situation. He fumbled the ball. On that goal line play against Washington in the third quarter, he fumbled the ball. Out of all people you can give it to, you give it to your undrafted running back. That's that's insane. And then the other the other time against you know Minnesota in the second quarter, the Giants. It was a little bit over two minutes ago, I believe, in the first half. The Giants are down thirteen to seven. They just forced a fumble. Um, they had the ball at their own one yard line. Uh, again, they have numerous weapons to put the ball in the hands of. And they give it to John Hilleman, an undrafted rookie running back in that situation. And it ends up being a safety. 15-7, to 7, the Vikings are then up. I believe going into halftime. So, it's just... 
It's not the play calling is bad. The personnel usage is poor. The coaching is not great at all. It's simple as that. Not to sugarcoat it. Not sugarcoating it. The the coaching is bad. It's not there. Some of the decisions Pat Shermer makes as head coach are mind-boggling. Baffling. Insane. Just to give a couple adjectives. That's also halting Daniel Jones' progression as an NFL quarterback. And also injuries. Daniel Jones hasn't had a start. So he started five games thus far in his career. Hasn't had a start where his top tight end receiver and running back have all started the game and finished the game. Against Tampa Bay, week three, Saquon left early with his high ankle sprain. Then no Saquon against Washington in week four. And then against Minnesota in week five, no Saquon again. Week six against New England, no Saquon. No Evan Engram with a sprained MCL. No Sterling Shepard with a concussion. And against Arizona in Week 7, no Shepard because he's still in the concussion protocol. So this this 22-year-old quarter kid, this 22-year-old rookie quarterback, this kid needs healthy, consistent support. And he hasn't had that. Consistent support. And consistent, consistently healthy weapons around him. And he has not had that. Five starts. None of which where his top receiver, his top tight end, his top running back have all started and finished the game healthy. Four of those, one at least one of them has been out. The only one where all three of them have started was a Tampa Bay game. And Saquon left before halftime with the injury. There are many aspects of this offense that are supposed to be supporting and helping Daniel Jones progress through his rookie season that just aren't. The offensive line isn't there. The injuries, the Giants have caught the injury bug with numerous players, numerous times, numerous games, numerous different injuries. And the coaching overall is bad. Some of the decisions that Pat Shermer makes are just, as I said before, mind-boggling. All right, but that's game. that game's over. The Arizona game is done. We're not talking about it anymore. Giants lost, now 2-5, third in the NFC East division. It's over. Time to move on to the preview of this Sunday's game, Giants- Traveling to, traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern time this Sunday. I believe that's October 27th. Um, as, I, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, the Lions are 2-3-1. and one. They're at the bottom of the NFC North, but they're most certainly not a checkmark win for the Giants. This is a tough team. This team would be a Philadelphia team. Granted, the Eagles don't look good. They didn't look good on Sunday night against the Cowboys. But I don't see the Giants beating the Eagles in either of their meetings. So this Lions team beat a Philadelphia team that may beat the Giants twice. And then they only lost to Kansas City by four and only lost to Green Bay by one because of horrible officiating. I mean, if you saw that Monday night game last week, Green Bay and Detroit, 
that the officiating was horrible, especially in the fourth quarter, especially in that final drive where the Packers came down and kicked the game-winning field goal. Mason Crosby kicked the game-winning field goal. That officiating was horrific. So this team is a tough team. I mean, there's, there's nothing much else to say. They're a tough team to beat. And they're going to continue to be a tough team to beat when the Giants travel to Detroit this Sunday. Um, their offense is good. Eighth in the NFL with 380.3 yards per game. Sixth in the NFL with 277.2 passing yards per game. This secondary is going to need to tighten up just like they did against Arizona. But they're playing a lot better of a quarterback this week in Matt Stafford than they were Kyler Murray. At least when it comes to throwing the ball. Obviously, Kyler Murray is a better, is a more mobile quarterback than Matthew Stafford and can get out of the pocket more than Matthew Stafford can. But when it comes to throwing the ball, uh, Stafford's averaging 291.8 passing yards per game, 2.7 touchdown passes per game. His total stats, 62.4% completion percentage on the year, 1,751 yards, 13 touchdowns, 3 picks. I mean, Stafford has the stats. I mean, I know the jokes about him. His entire career was all he has are stats. He doesn't have many wins. Doesn't have many playoff appearances. Only has one Pro Bowl appearance. But he puts up stats. He puts up numbers. He drives down the field. And this this giant secondary is going to have to be prepared for something like that. They're going to need to tighten up just like they did against Arizona. They're going to, to, they're going to need to build off, build off the Arizona win even more than they had built off the New England. Or, sorry, they misspoke on that. Not the Arizona win, the Arizona loss. They're going to need to build off the Arizona game just like they did when they built off the New England loss for Arizona. The this, this secondary is going to need to tighten up. It's simple as that. Matthew Stafford can throw the ball. Regardless of what you say about him, regardless of the hate he gets sometimes for not winning games, he can throw the ball and he can put up numbers for this Lions team. Uh, As far as the Lions defense is concerned, um, they're probably as bad as the Giants defense looks at times. So 31st in the NFL with 428.7 yards allowed per game. Uh, 30th in the NFL with 289.5 passing yards allowed per game and 28th in the NFL 139 with 139.2 rushing yards allowed per game. So they're 31st in total defense, 31st, 30th in pass defense, 28th in the, and defending the run. So what do the Giants have to do? Control the offense through Saquon Barkley. They need to get the ball into Saquon Barkley's hands as much as possible. Run the ball, control it through him. It'll open the offense up for some play action. Um, They could definitely fool this defense off play action. But you got to keep a balanced attack and utilize Barkley in the passing game. Because when you get the ball as, as many times as possible in Barkley's hands, plays are going to be made and points are going to be put up onto the board. This defense is all around not a great defense at all. There will be numerous ways to score points on them this weekend. And it starts with utilizing Saquon Barkley and maximizing his potential. Use him as much as possible. 
run the ball, take the pressure off of Daniel Jones, use Saquon in the passing game, which they haven't as much this year. Saquon, I believe, is getting six targets through the three full games he's played. So against Dallas in week one, Buffalo in week two, and then Arizona in week seven. Um, not going to count the Tampa Bay game because he, he left before halftime. But when you're talking those three full games, Saquon is averaging six targets per game. Last year, he only averaged 7.56 targets per game. So, or he averaged more, he averaged 1.56 targets more per game last year than he has this year. So they're going to need to, when it comes to utilizing Saquon in the, in the passing game, they're going to need to step up. They're going to need to, as I said, maximize his potential, utilize him as much as possible, drive down the field, get the ball in his hands as much as possible, score, which in turn is going to put up points. And when you get in the, when you get a ball in a playmaker's hands like that as much as possible, points are going to be scored. It's as simple as that. Um, and yeah, I mean, if they do that, they shouldn't have any sort of issue with this Detroit defense. I mean, it's not a great defense at all. It's near the bottom of the league in each of the three main categories. Um, and they're just going to need to do what they can to take the pressure off of Daniel Jones. I mean, he's been turnover prone, 11 turnovers thus far in the year. Um, since he was named the starter, he's thrown seven picks and lost three fumbles. As I said before, he lost the first, the first time he lost the fumble was that week one game where he came in at the end of the game. The Giants are already down big to Dallas. So take the pressure off of Daniel Jones, um, get the ball in the playmaker's hands as much as possible. Um, they shouldn't, this offense at least shouldn't have any problem with the Detroit defense. Um, I'm not going to endorse a Giants win. Uh, I'm not going to endorse a Giants loss either. Uh, I really don't know what to make of this game just yet. Um, we'll see how the week progresses. Uh, this is a tough team to beat, but it's no, uh, it's no New England. Uh, they're not good. There's not. They're not as good as Minnesota. Uh, I don't think they're as good as Dallas is. Um, so it's it's definitely a weird team to go up against because you you never know what they're going to get out of them, but. Um, Hopefully at some point I'll come to my senses and figure out who I'm endorsing to win this game. Um, I'll tweet it actually at Ryan Honey E S N Y. Um, again at Ryan Honey E S N Y. So follow me on Twitter if you want the answer. Um, all right. So the last thing I want to get into real quick before we end this episode six of the Wide Right Podcast is so the trade deadline is a week from Tuesday, October 29th. Um, I think the one player the Giants could possibly deal, and I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised they didn't last year. I remember the Giants, um, the Giants sort of went through a fire sale last year. Uh, they traded Eli Apple, traded Damon Harrison, um, who I loved, loved snacks. Was sad to see him go, but the Giants are actually facing him this week because he plays for the Lions now. They traded him to the Lions, so I was surprised last year. I guess not too surprised because they did trade away Apple, who was a corner. Um, they weren't going to trade away both their corners. Uh, I, I was surprised. So, but I thought maybe last year they could have traded away Janoris Jenkins. So maybe this year, maybe this week, they could possibly find something for Janoris Jenkins. I mean, I can't see him being a giant next year. 
Um, I'm surprised he was even a giant this year. I thought maybe they could have gotten rid of him in the offseason. Um, but, you know, maybe they could get something out of him. Maybe they can get a couple picks um, out of Jenkins. Uh, definitely a high, uh, lower round pick. Maybe a fifth rounder or something like that. Uh, fourth or fifth rounder. Um, but... You know, I don't really see Janaris Jenkins having a future with the Giants after this year. So why not try to, instead of releasing him at the end of this year, why not try to get something for him? Maybe get a couple picks. Um, I know it'd only be a lower round pick, but those picks are still valuable. Think of some of the players that have gotten chosen uh, in the later rounds. What was Tom Brady drafted in? The sixth round, I believe. So, I, I mean, those later round picks are still very valuable. I think... I'm not, again, I'm not endorsing a Janoris Jenkins trade this week or prior to the trade deadline, but I definitely think that if there's going to be one person they could deal, it would be him. I'm not, they're not going to deal Eli. I know like there's talk about how, oh, Eli could go get traded to the Chiefs. He has a no trade clause, but he could waive it. And if he waves it, the Giants, I don't think they're trading Eli. I think they want Eli to stick around be a mentor to Daniel Jones and retire as a giant after this year. Uh, I don't, I don't think the giants are going to trade uh, Eli Manning at all. So that's, that's out of the conversation. If there's anyone I think they could trade, it's Janoris Jenkins. Um, you know, he, he sort of stepped up in the, in the last couple of weeks. He had a pick against new England. He contributed to that uh, great secondary, great performance from the secondary uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. So he stepped up. He's definitely improved. Um, he was a big contributor to the struggles of the secondary the first couple weeks. Um, but he's definitely stepped up. So maybe his trade value has gone up a little bit more, um, but not a whole lot more. But I definitely think the Giants could de- get something for him, uh, which would be a lot better than just you know, releasing him at the end of the year, releasing him in the offseason going into 2020. Um, So if there's anyone they're going to trade, it could be him. Um, But all right, so uh, Giants game this coming Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time against Detroit. Um, Again, I'll be endorsing the winner of this game uh, sometime this week. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y, um, and we'll see how they do. Uh, it's a, not a great defense they're going against, obviously. Um, a good offense they're going against, so secondary is going to need to tighten up. And this offense is going to have to utilize Saquon Barkley as much as possible. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Um, again, my name is Ryan Honey. Thank you for listening to Episode 6 of the Wide Right Podcast.